1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan
0: Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are back on OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network, live from our 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville. Old Spoken Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer, big show. Already been a big show, but a big one ahead. David Cutcliffe will join us in about an hour and 20 minutes. Plenty to get to, though, before David joins us uh, in the 4 o'clock central hour, including, unfortunately, for Paul Kuharski's Yankees. Nine unanswered runs by the Red Sox last night as they split the series with the Yankees two games apiece, given that the Yankees are close to 40 games over five hundred right now and we're before the All-Star break. Even splitting a four-game series of the Yankees apparently is a huge feat Paul, you think that that has been blown up a little bit too much by Red Sox fans.
1: Well, I mean, uh, look, you're 14 games under and you go into a four-game series. What do you need to do? You need to win the series, at the very least. You really need to sweep it. Yankees won the first two series over in terms of any meaning. So it's nice. The Red Sox had an extra inning rally. That was a good win for them in Game 3. Last night, the Yankees played what I believe was their worst game of the season. Uh, Sixth inning, they had let it get tied up. They brought in Chapman, who's one of their biggest issues. D.J. LeMay, who uh, went after a ball from second base that he shouldn't have in right field. Should have let Judge try to come on. He fumbled it. Then he fumbled another one in center field. Things fell apart from there. Um, They played a terrible game. So they lost the series 2-2. And the Red Sox are celebrating like they've done something. Let me tell you a secret. I I watched all four games of this series to some degree. The Red Sox are not the 1978 Yankees. The Red Sox will not come back from 14 down. And so the Yankees didn't have a great series. They went in 14 up on the Red Sox, and they went out 14 games up on the Red Sox. I'll take that. I'm perfectly fine with a 14-game lead over the Red Sox.
0: There's still a wild card in baseball, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm amazed. There's three that. Of them, right? Yes. But, like, I'm amazed at the amount of people who think winning the division is all you have to do. Like, you're, you're talking about it now. The, the Red Sox are probably sitting there saying, oh, this is a preview of the postseason where we can beat the Yankees if we get them in a series. Because we're going to be a wild card team. Yeah. They're not going to win the – I'm with you. No one is catching the Yankees with the way they're playing in the regular season. But, Paul, even you said the, re- the Blue Jays, I think? No, the Astros, the Astros nervous. The Astros are only
1: four and a half, I think, behind the Yankees' pace. Astros make me nervous in the postseason. I think the Yankees absolutely have to do something in the trade deadline. They've got two pitchers who are starting to sputter. They could use another starter. And they really need to go get an outfielder who makes a lot of contact. Ben Attendee is somebody, and Reynolds from the Pirates are the two prime candidates that you hear people talk about over and over. Joey Gallo is a major problem. Joey Gallo is hitting about 160 since they traded for him last year. And even if he goes on a tear where he hits a bunch of home runs in a short amount of time, which is what he's known for doing, he's not going to be doing that in the postseason. What are the odds that Joey Gallo in high leverage playoff situations is going to go on a home run tear? You can't bank on that. He can't be in the lineup in the playoff.
0: Well, and I, look, I bring up the wild card thing. Of course, I know that there are wild cards. But to say that I hear from so many Braves fans that will just ask, do you think the Braves can catch the Mets? Do you think the Braves will catch the Mets in the division? I get that winning the division is important. And I mean, the, the Braves did it for you know, two field. decades straight. Like, I understand that winning the division be important, but doesn't mean you're going to win the World Series. Well, get in. All you got to do is get in. So the Braves now are a game, after yesterday's win, the Mets lose, are a game and a half back. Mets and Braves tonight, battle of Maxes. Max Freed versus Max Scherzer. Three-game series. Great pitching matchup. Three-game series. But the Mets are going to win Starting match. tonight. Yeah. They're going to win the division. But even if they don't, I mean, it doesn't – I'm not worried about the Braves making the playoffs. They're either going to win the division because yeah, be they're going to keep winning the way the they three. have been or they're going to be one of the three and they're going to have a chance – uh, in a series, to have a chance in the playoffs that Let's way. Look at so those wild card
1: standings here. So
0: I'm not I'm not worried about the Braves. Uh, I would look at the wild card standings for the Red Sox that you're discussing, Paul, and seeing how close they are to a wild card spot. Because again, no one is catching the Yankees. I mean, they are on an unbelievable pace right now. Uh, with I mean, we're talking all time great teams. I mean,
1: they're two and a half games safe in the wild card and Tampa Bay is a game safe and Seattle is has a tie-breaking edge on Toronto how about that and the Baltimore's two games back that's the AL East Red Sox in Tampa Bay in Toronto tied Baltimore two games out that uh, that's the division
0: Baltimore's only two games out yeah
1: Baltimore's won 8 straight wow how amazing would that be if the Yankees win the division, Boston goes to the playoffs, Tampa Bay goes to the playoffs, and Baltimore goes to the playoffs?
0: Imagine having a segment to discuss the Orioles with Hutton at some point. It's not a joke. Yeah, this could be the first time that there's a legitimate discussion about the Orioles in so, postseason possibility.
1: NL Braves have a five and a half game lead on the top wild card spot. Padres two and a half. Phillies and uh, are a game ahead of the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, not worried. So you'd about be the sending
1: three out of your division.
0: Not worried about the Phillies, Padres. From a roster standpoint, worries me. Uh, but the Braves are going to get in. They're either going to win the, the NL East or they're going to get one of those. Well, the wild Mets
1: right now are still uh, twenty over, which is a benchmark I always pay attention to. But you're coming hard, Adam, and the Mets do not typically sustain success.
0: Yeah, no, the Mets tend to met. Uh, John Morant, by the way. This guy talk about a young. We talked earlier about Lamar Jackson well, saying hold doing on. something stupid. Yeah, now this that, is a young guy I've saying watched, something stupid. I've watched the interview. and I wanted to do my All due diligence, give me some tone. And, and first let me let me give you the quote: John Morant. They were talking about Michael Jordan on a, on an interview. This is with uh, Bleacher Report, and uh, John Morant said, "I wish I would have played in his generation." And he said, "Just how we go about the game, that mindset he had. I'd like to play against him." and later said, I would have cooked him too when asked about one-on-one with Michael Jordan. Now, Morant quickly said, nobody's got more confidence than 12. I'm never going to say that somebody's going to beat me in one-on-one or anything. The tone was fine in that he says it and then basically admits, I'm just going to say that about anyone because I'm not admitting defeat. That's my mindset is I can beat him, but he says it kind of in a laughing way after saying that. He also I don't think said, he's that serious.
1: He also made it sound was it that he could play goalie against Messi in a penalty kick shootout and stop Messi.
0: Yeah, he said, I've seen a little bit of Messi, and I believe he's cold is the term that he uh, used to describe cold, Messi. Good
1: cold? Good cold. Like assassin cold?
0: Yes, assassin cold, but said that he would like to have some sort of uh, contest where he plays goalie uh, against him.
1: Uh, that's, that, I think that's even more silly than the Jordan thing. Having, well, I, I presume he doesn't have a great deal of goaltending tending experience, and Messi could put 10 out of 10 penalty shots past him with very little difficulty.
0: So Michael Jordan, if we're actually going to discuss this, is three inches taller than John Morant, but Morant's jumping ability probably puts him close to even uh, with Michael Jordan. Um, the, the soccer thing, I, I just, I understand that your thing is that you can beat anyone in anything. And he was was going on, he's like, I don't care what the sport is, what the game is, I believe I can beat anyone when I go into a contest. And then started talking about Messi, and yeah, I believe I'm – I think when you just put that out there, I'm not going to believe anything else you say. Because I don't believe that John Morant really believes what he's saying. That's just his thing. I'm going to say I can beat anyone no matter the sport. Does he truly believe he can beat Messi in soccer? I hope not. Or for any athlete that plays a different so sport, to think that you could down beat the, the best—well, to think you could beat the best in the sport—I mean, come on, it's just no, not going to happen.
1: Uh, at least he's acknowledging the ridiculousness of it while he's saying it. But if you're acknowledging the ridiculousness of w- of what you're saying while you're saying it, then don't say it. <laughs> hey, I'm about to I, uh, here. I said something and I acknowledge it's ridiculous. But here's the basis for me saying it, and I'm sticking with it. Then you kind of take out your whole statement.
0: Well, I'd love for Michael Jordan to be asked about it and, and to get his response. But here's the thing about Jordan. We probably won't hear from him because we rarely hear from Michael Jordan on anything these days, unless he's rele- releasing a 10-part documentary series that makes him a ton of money. Then we hear from him all that we want. But outside of that, uh, maybe he's asked about it in some corner and discusses, but I seriously doubt Uh, We hear from Michael Jordan on what John Morant claims. We don't hear
1: from him on anything. And so if somebody did get to him on something, this would not rank, I don't think, as a top-of-the-list question. Hey, Michael, we haven't talked to you in a year and a half. Uh, Let me see here. Oh, yeah, John Morant said something about you. That's the first thing I'm going to
0: ask. Paul, I can't think of a stadium corporate sponsor that made more sense than Heinz Field and more synonymous with the actual stadium than Heinz Field with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is no more. Naming rights deal was up. The Steelers are now going to be called AccraShore Stadium, which is a Michigan-based insurance firm.
1: Here's the thing, Chad. No, they're not. Because, first off, if you're going to replace something, and I don't want to call it iconic, but something that was an easy match like Heinz Field, and Heinz Field rolls off the tongue, and everybody knows what Heinz is. If you're going to replace it, you better replace it with something that's memorable and easy to say. And Acrosure is not it. I'm not going to remember Acrosure. I'm going to have trouble saying it. And so when we talk about the Steelers and we're saying where the game was, I'm going to say in Pittsburgh, I'm going to say at Heinz Field, whatever that's called now. And I think most of us will. Hutton tends to be precise with these things, so he'll probably go out of his way to say Acrosure to be accurate. Accurate is a good mnemonic device, actually, to get to Acrosure, But I think you and I and most of America are going to say Heinz Field or whatever Heinz Field is called now. And it's like Jacksonville, which has changed banks three times, and more. it's more with arenas than stadiums. I can't tell you what most arenas in America are called, and
0: I don't care. Well, I can tell you what they used to be called. In a lot of cases like this, right? I mean, you know the name of it, and it's oh, it used to be, uh, Pac Bell Park, which may still be the case, or whatever it is. Like with that stadium, you know the old corporate sponsor or the first corporate What's sponsor. What's Cleveland's? Arena. It was Progressive. Progressive. Oh no, no, well not no, the progressive arena. Progressive Stadium. Quicken Loans Arena. Yeah, wasn't it that at some point? The Q. This would be a fun game. You Didn't they play finals games out. in the Q yeah. uh, uh, in Cleveland? I don't think people Tyler care. Castle, there's there's no reason Cleveland to, to obey it.
1: And, like, I don't obey it. I mean, I'll obey it if I'm writing about it. But outside – but I'll, I'll obey it when I'm writing about it by pulling out the release packet that I have for each game and going and looking at it. And I'll be annoyed by it because I have to go find
0: it. Here's what I want. I want to see the, the financial impact study from the people at Heinz or wherever that shows if we are – and I, I, I want to say it's been, like, 20 years – the stadium's been around, right, and been, and that's been the sponsor yeah, all maybe twenty more. years. Three Rivers. If they have been said gone we're going to spend this much in, doesn't have to be twenty years, 10, 15 years, whatever, and then we're going to be the first one though. What is the financial impact of people always remembering that because it was the first or the longest? Yeah, I think so. It's good. For the next twenty years, when you hear Pittsburgh Steelers home field, you think Heinz Stadium or Heinz Field, right? Yeah. Or whatever the stadium is, whatever the arena is. How long does that last in people's memory? And what is the financial implications of that?
1: Right. So you're not paying for it anymore, but it echoes still. There is value in that for sure. But it also comes from your recognizable name to start with. So this new place is looking for that name recognizability. Heinz starts with the name recognizability and carries it into another level by attaching itself to the, the stadium name of a good team that's talked about a lot it's a different level thing more often than not it's something like this new place again i don't remember the name um and it's going to take a long while but it's something that's trying to get recognized now is this company going to last i don't know what it is or what it does but my first thought is it's not going to last the length of its It's an insurance company
0: yeah no i i agree and also this comes on the heels of soldier field is going to have a corporate sponsor for the first time, it, it looks like that they are now in negotiations to have a corporate sponsor on Soldier Field in Chicago. That's another staple that's way longer going further back than Heinz Field. And look,
1: I get it. I mean, making no money off of something called Soldier Field, it's a, it's a nice, res- respectful thing, Soldier Field, but it's not even a specific name. You're not taking – like Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego was a tribute to a sports writer in San Diego – when they put a sponsorship name on it, it it hurt to take a guy's name off it because it was a monument to that guy. But you understood like you're falling behind everybody else when everybody's got sponsorship money coming in and you don't, but Soldier Field isn't even named after some, you know, it's a theme. It's not a, a but name.
0: It's just there's something about Heinz Field that both rolled off the tongue and it felt like it was just destined to always be that name and forever be that name. Is a good part. There's not many corporate business sponsorships with venues that I can say the same about, that it just that synonymous with that place, and that's no more. But, Paul, I think you're right. I think it's going to be for a long time for most people in their memories, and when they say it, they're going to refer to the home stadium of the Pittsburgh Steelers as Heinz Field and not Acroshore Stadium. There, again, I had to go look at my notes and read it because I'd already forgotten. Um, People aren't going to forget about the NFL. They're certainly not going to forget about how to view the NFL. Roger Goodell recently confirmed that NFL Sunday ticket is moving to a streaming service. We'll discuss the implications of that and where we think the Sunday ticket for the NFL should land. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360.
1: You ready? Showtime.
0: Outkick 360 rolling right along here on a Monday afternoon. I'm Chad Withrow alongside Paul Kuharski across the Outkick Network and broadcasting live from our sixth and Peabody studio, downtown Nashville, with Old Smoky, Moonshine, and Yeehaw Beer. Big statement coming from Roger Goodell, where he did an interview with CNBC and he said, quote, I clearly believe we'll be moving to a streaming service with Sunday tickets. So news comes down. Late last week, that contract is up with DirecTV. By the way, DirecTV had NFL Sunday tickets since 1994 uh, when DirecTV started, which I didn't realize it had been that long. Uh, But their partnership with DirecTV is done, and now Roger Goodell saying that NFL Sunday ticket, the ability to watch every game, will move to a streaming service. And this also comes when he was talking about NFL Plus, which is going to be um, in a, the NFL's own streaming service that we discussed a, a lot about, but basically is going to give you more, you know, radio options, podcast opportunities, some different things for the NFL for your specific team. But Paul, the big news here is no more Directv; now a streaming service for NFL Sunday Ticket. And the question remains: just which streaming service?
1: Yeah, I don't really understand announcing this when it's not done. I mean, I, I guess you announced that you're done my first with thought direct. Is, TV. It is
0: done, and he just can't say it yet with someone. And let me go ahead and and throw out a guess on who it is. I think it's Disney Plus. I think Disney's affiliation with ESPN with the NFL. I think Sunday tickets moving to Disney Plus. Just a guess on my end. But he's apparently talking to Amazon, um, Apple TV. When I say he, I'm saying the NFL. Roger Goodell. Apple, Disney, Amazon Prime believed to be the leaders to land Sunday ticket.
1: Well, I mean, that's, what, three-fifths of the streaming services or half? So it doesn't do much to, to narrow it down. My, my question's kind of about how much value, I'm going to look for these numbers that we talked about, but how much value did it bring TV? Because TV lost money in order to spend enough money, huge money to get uh, Sunday ticket. So it spent huge money to get Sunday ticket. Most people or a large percentage of people who got direct TV, got direct TV to watch their home team out of market. Now those people are going to bail on Directv and go get whatever the streaming service is. It's going to be an add on as opposed to their main TV thing. But was it worth it for direct ticket uh, for for Directv to, for Sunday
0: ticket to to for, to do it? Well, they did it. I mean, since nineteen ninety four, so I'm guessing it was worth it for a while, and eventually, I guess was not worth it for them. Um, Friend of mine said, "AT
1: and T, which owns Directv, right? AT and T yes. is getting out of the satellite business, basically spinning off Directv. Spent forty eight point five billion dollars to acquire Directv." got rid of it for $7.6 billion. Huge loss. They're all in on streaming now. So I don't know at what point at and got in on DirecTV. Uh, it hasn't been a DirecTV thing all along. It hasn't been
0: that think. long, but I want to say it's probably been the last five to ten years this happened.
1: So is that worth it to take on? The, we ask this a lot. There, there are other uh, network partners that take on the NFL at a loss in order to promote the rest of their product. They're in Well, they're
0: all just trying to break even on ad sales. If they do that, they've done a great job. It's all about because having they can the promote brand.
1: the rest of their well, and it spins it off into all the other she wrote in 60 yeah. minutes.
0: Absolutely. So full disclosure, I've been a DirecTV subscriber ever since I've had a television. And you're I'm not, not a market fan. I have not once purchased Sunday ticket through DirecTV. So you're the exception. It has nothing problem. to do with Sunday ticket. I'm way more inclined to spend it on a streaming service. Why, if the price is the same? Because it's going to be an added price on the streaming service. I'm guessing that's going to have Sunday ticket ability to watch every game, right? But psychologically, I pay so much for Directv that spending the what is it a hundred bucks for the season? I don't know the exact price, but whatever it was for the I year, think it's
1: more like two or three, two or three
0: hundred. I, I just I don't want to spend that much more when I'm already spending that much, even if it costs the same. To add on to that, to a streaming service, but you don't season. need
1: it. You're watching Titans in market most often in the early Sunday slot, and then what do you watch? Do you watch Red
0: Zone? I don't know anyone that needs it, other than well, if you're you are out of town. If fan. you're out of town, yeah. fan
1: of of a but a now team. you
0: can can't you do that on NFL Plus? No. no, I think
1: NFL Plus is being way oversold as to what's available on there.
0: I thought you could get like one out of market game. One team on NFL Plus, but not all of them, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I'm not sure about that. The, at last report, uh, I think I did a Fox News rundown item on NFL Plus when the first thing came out about NFL Plus. It didn't sound like there was going to be a lot on it. Extra stuff yeah, no, from it's, team it's websites and, and whatever. It sounded crappy.
0: Um, Jay Carey on the YouTube chat says, Direct TV would always give you the Sunday ticket for free if you would call in and complain or re-up for another contract. With your service, I never tried that trick. Usually, it was just like a, a discount. They would but give again, you HBO what's your, and what's your watching
1: habit outside of the Titans window? You would watch a full game that's on CBS or Fox in Nashville, I, or you would watch a Red Zone kind of thing.
0: I'm like most of America. I'm I'm watching. I'm not going to a sports bar to watch on Sundays. I'm watching whatever the national offering is. You know, I'm watching whether that be early or late outside of the Titans window.
1: So a lot of Cowboys, a lot of Packers. Yeah, lot of-
0: and I'm watching Sunday Night Football. Yeah. You know, so I'm watching national games outside of that. And I'm flipping back and forth to whatever game's up against, you know, the, the Titans or whoever I'm watching. And I think a lot of people are like that. But it, how they're going to structure this with an added payment, um, why the NFL didn't just – the NFL is is key on this. They have NFL Network, which they control. But instead of just trying to make NFL Plus the home for Sunday Ticket, knowing you're going to get so many people rushing over there to sign up for it for Sunday Ticket, probably because they maybe they're not completely confident in being able to stream that many games this close out to a season no, where there's better the infrastructure in place than some of these other streamers. But the NFL is good about getting everyone involved. But you are getting money from all sides.
1: You also want it built into smart TVs. Um, and NFL Plus isn't going to be built into smart TVs. You've got to be on a a mainline streaming
0: network, so to speak. Do you have a preference for where this goes, just personally from what streaming services you go to? You said it's three-fifths, but there's more. than. I mean, there's Hulu, there's Netflix, there's Paramount Plus. There's a lot of other places that are big enough now that it could have gone to, but they're not in the game for this. I don't like
1: the way Paramount Plus has – or slash doesn't have uh, fast it's scrubbing feature isn't good. Like I don't like Paramount plus because if you fast forward, it doesn't show you what you're fast forwarding, you know, it just kind of goes dark and then, or, or freezes on what you're on. And then when you hit play, it resumes where it resumes. I don't like that feature. So I wouldn't want it on Paramount plus, which is not going to happen because that's CBS, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, if CBS wanted to pay more, you know, it's all in the same family. Right. They already have the NFL, they have the AFC package. They could pay more to get Sunday ticket. Interesting but they to me, though that they're mentioned. completely left out of the discussion with yeah, this because
1: CBS has its. Deal. But
0: also, look at the three companies that are involved: Apple, Amazon, Disney. Three pretty big money generating companies, and those are the three that are discussing this.
1: Well, I would like. I'm thinking. Either Amazon, I, I don't care personally because I'm not going to have it, but for the sake of people, Apple or Amazon, because they're going to have experience at it already. And I, again, say they're going to have problems with this. I don't know that the tech is up for it yet because the streaming game that they did on a Sunday morning from London was bad. And I I think you want to be with somebody that's going to be doing it. So Apple's going to be doing it for MLS. Uh, Amazon's going to be doing it for Thursday night. And I think you better be with somebody that's going to be able to uh, go all in on the tech and handle it. I, Chad, let's mark this down, guys, this video, because we're going to be playing it back. I, on, on July 11th, am saying the tech is going to be bad, and people are going to be bitching about it. And it's going to be too far behind live action. The tweets are going to be ahead of the games, and people are going to be pissed off.
0: And I should uh, clarify, 2023, I I read the timing wrong. It'll be the start of 2023, but again, this is the NFL saying we would rather partner with huge media company A, B, or C as opposed to doing it ourselves and the ability to own it and charge the rights fees ourselves for Sunday Tech. Well,
1: Amazon will have a season of experience doing NFL and uh, if this MLS deal is for the upcoming season, Apple will have a season of, of MLS experience.
0: Well, the, I mean, obviously, NFL moving to streaming services is huge business, a huge deal. I, I'm with you on the MLS deal with Apple TV is one to follow simply because how is that volume going to be handled? Of a lot games? of volume. Is that's a lot of Simultaneous games. Simultaneously. It, but it's going to be a nice blueprint, good or bad, for what can happen with future NHL negotiations with these streamers, NBA, other sports with high volume. Right now, Apple TV, and I watch it, th- it's fine. There's no issues when I watch the two Friday night games that they carry on Apple TV. Um, but what happens when... The Dodgers go exclusive at Apple TV. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals, but you have more volume of more games.
1: When you've watched those baseball games, have you ever watched it against a live scoring app?
0: No, that's a good good question.
1: Next time you do, next time you end up on one, see how far off it is. I'm very curious about that. I think that's going to cause a problem. 14 seconds, you're saying?
0: 14 seconds difference.
1: I'm telling you, that 14 seconds for people that are live betting situations and stuff or following Twitter live, that's a play for a high-speed offense. I mean, if UT were on there, that's a play and a half.
0: I'm amazed at how quickly the ability to bet on something live goes away when there's activity in that game. Like you're trying to money line bet in a baseball game in a double is taking place and, and it shuts down. Yeah. Five seconds later, it'll be back up with different odds. Always, fourteen always seconds.
1: It's fourteen seconds right now. If they're playing a, a one o'clock Eastern window with seven games in it, I'm betting it's going to be more than fourteen seconds. Or they're a lot better than I, a lot better equipped than I think they are.
0: Paul, longtime friend of the show, Matthew Barry fantasy football expert at ESPN. After 15 years, the ESPN has announced that he is leaving the company. No details yet on where he's headed, but we all believe it's to a yeah, sports book. I'll tell book. you
1: where he's headed. He's heading to a sports book. And this is big in that we thought, or I thought, but it, I, I think a lot of people thought that Schefter, when his deal was up, was going to go somewhere or one of these other uh, Shams Tarina, Woj, one of these big news-breaking guys, was going to go to a betting service, and they haven't. So, but he's the next kind of uh, branch, a different kind of branch. And he's got some insight that people want. You're going to go, when you're considering your fantasy stuff, lots of people are curious about what Matt Berry has to tell you about which receiver you should be playing and which one you should be sitting. And I think, I, I don't know how it works to, to get him out there and pull you over there, but they know. Wh- whoever's got them, FanDuel or, or Caesars or whoever, is going to market this thing in a way that they're going to pull people away from the other betting sites and to their betting site, particularly on a NFL Sunday morning or uh, on a Thursday night right before that Amazon game kickoff or on a Monday night right before Monday night football. And he's a a big domino, and he's one of the first dominoes of a guy who's got some level of information, some level of information that you're not going to get somewhere else who's going to pull you to that
0: site I, I think it's a big move i think it's a big deal it, it is it's a big move for sure i'll say this too there's certainly life after espn for a lot of a lot of media that's worked at espn but oftentimes the exposure is just far less i'll give you an example trey wingo i still follow on social media uh i don't know what he does was it caesar's i think Caesars. he's with no. he's an
1: ambassador
0: Yeah, I just don't – I don't see – this may be by design, but I don't see him as much. I don't – you know, there's not as much visibility. Matthew Barry, you always saw him on ESPN daily across different shows. So if you're at the airport and ESPN, un-ESPN happens to be on, you might catch Matthew Barry out of the corner of your eye. I'm still going to follow Matthew Barry on Twitter and see what he's up to. But the visibility for a lot of these media members goes way down when well, they leave.
1: FanDuel, in particular, Lisa Kearney is pretty visible to me still, in terms of little snippets, and all of her stuff is just like come see shows that I don't watch. But I think Matthew Barry, if he's saying, "Hey, I can tell you who to start tonight in the Commanders versus uh, the Cowboys game," um. And and when you're watching it, it's got all kinds of buttons to bring you to bet there. Uh, I, I think that's probably a, a worthwhile investment for whichever site he's winding up at. I, by the way, hate that everything now comes with a departure announcement and then weeks later an arrival announcement. Didn't there used to be a time where you left somewhere for somewhere? Yes. I'm leaving ESPN to take a job at Fox. Um, it's that, almost like that a used respect. used to be a thing. Now – It's almost
0: like a respect thing for your previous employer when you leave. Yeah. That you get that first announcement out of the way and don't rob from that announcement just because you want to honor that employer with the departure announcement without muddying the waters with where you're going. Or
1: we've known that Jamie Erdahl was going to Good Morning Football for – six weeks now it became official today she announces on twitter and now she's taking all the the plaudits and congratulations from everybody it seems kind of weird because everybody that's congratulating her has known for six weeks through media reports that she was taking this gig so it's almost like you get you get the thrill of the the move
0: twice well, it does. There are contractual reasons for this, also, and you know we've had to make a departure announcement, also, and not say where exactly where we're going no, right away. But it happened. Clay a, said it a couple of minutes two later. Minutes. Well, so, um, I, I don't mind it for Matthew Barry. That maybe I'm a little different here. But well, when it's Matthew a grand unveiling, does because this
1: is new territory. Yeah,
0: but when Matthew Barry does it, like he's a big enough name that I think okay. You can honor your departure from ESPN and build up the hype on where you're going next, or the suspense. Um, there are a lot of people in media who post the "Hey, I'm leaving such and such local station." You know, stay tuned for my next exciting chapter. I'm thinking, just announce it now. Yeah. Like if you've taken a job at a TV station in Detroit or whatever, wherever you're going next, like just just go ahead and say it. I don't need the two announcements for everyone. Two announcements. But with Matthew Barry, I'm okay. I'm okay with the two. Well, I'm okay with Matthew it on Berry.
1: this one too because, um, you know, his new place is doing a big a big ramp up, and this is a, uh, it's not a career change, but it's a uh, it's a lane change. It's not just a media venue. Change.
0: You say that you see Lisa Kearney a lot with FanDuel. Is that just following her and her posting videos? Yeah, about I mean, watching she something overdo- else. She
1: overdoes it, but I think that's her job. Just get your. Your face I'm out a little there surprised
0: that people. like FanDuel is the app that I use uh, for sports wagering, but there's not immediate video content when you go to the app that's available. That's either one of their shows or, you know, eventually a Matthew Barry type that yeah. pops up that you can go and click on the app and, and watch advice. video.
1: They do a lot of shows, too, FanDuel. I mean, she's got a daily thing with... Multiple people. We saw it uh, filmed daily at the Super Bowl on a set that they shared with Pat McAfee. So you're right in that regard, and I think Matthew Barry will probably be at the top of one of those sets. Now, you don't want to take up too much screen because you want to get to your, hey, how about this parlay, and here's Major League Baseball today. But I think there's room. I think there's room. I, by the way, have been bouncing between FanDuel, Caesars, and um, MGM a little bit yeah. just because uh, I, I'm not comparing the odds so much because when I'm betting five bucks at a time, it doesn't really matter. But I'm surprised at how much different the offerings are at one. Like one of the guys who's betting advice I look at a little bit, I played this weekend a little bit uh, over under on walks. Well, over under on walks doesn't exist at Fanduel. I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't find it. I looked and looked and looked at MGM and I couldn't find it. I went to Caesars and there it was. So this weekend I laid a couple $5 bets on over-under walks at Caesars. And, of course, I won two, lost one on all all the parlays I did. But over-under walks is something interesting because it's low. Everything's like one and a half for starters. I feel like everybody walks more than one and a yeah. half. Yeah.
0: We need resident uh, our resident show baseball prop bet expert Jacob Swanson to get back on the case and give us some strikeout props. Swanson, I want you on walks. When we started this show, he was big on strikeout props, and he just disappeared from that Swanson,
1: game. we're going all walks now. Which leads but me to believe that he lost th- he's big. He's giving me a thumbs up.
0: I think he lost big and then just gave up on it. But Jacob doesn't strike me as the type of guy who loses and quits. No. I feel like he's he goes fighter. in. He, he dives deeper. He's a fighter. He loses a little bit, and he, that's not going to deter him. He's going to he's gonna dive deeper. Chad, we're
1: done with Ks. We're all about
0: walks BBs. now. That's BBs. the That's the future. Uh, the future is betting future, on walks in baseball. Walk. America's favorite pastime is watching great athletes suck at golf. And that happened again this weekend with the Pro-Am in Lake Tahoe. We'll discuss Some actors in there when too. we return. Uh, yes, any famous person sucking at golf is something that America loves to watch. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. It's always great when you can turn the TV on and ask yourself, am I a better golfer than this person currently playing golf on television? I'm Chad Withrow alongside Paul Koharski. This is Outkick 360. That's exactly what happens every year at the Celebrity Pro-Am in Lake Tahoe, the American Century Championship. can guarantee most of you are probably not as good as the winner or the, some of the top finishers. Uh, Tony Romo, congratulations to him, won this uh, event over the weekend. But, Paul, there are a number of people I watch that, while I don't play enough golf to claim to be as good as some of them, um, that aren't very good, that are out playing this every single year. I did
1: not see any of it, I, and I would have liked
0: to. I just didn't really
1: remember, and I didn't know where to go The to look views for are and stunning. All of that. It's a beautiful place. That I'd like to go out to Tahoe. Nice. I, I would like to, yes. to see that part of the country. The scoring is complicated if you don't know this, this thing. So it's stable forward. Uh, and it's not, it wasn't handicap base. So you want points. So uh, three strokes under is, is a 10. A hole in one is an eight. An Eagle is worth six. You want to collect points. A birdie is worth three. A par is one. A bogey is zero. A double bogey is minus two. So it's hard to kind of look at the score and comprehend um, what somebody's doing. Uh, so I don't know. Did you, did you is get that, that, is that while to you were watching
0: them, it uh, from showing their <laughs> from actual showing score? From showing how bad
1: it is? Because like I saw... 17 over like, like Mike my was Charles Barkley was
0: minus 26. And you said a double bogey is minus bogeys two?
1: minus two. Yeah. So he
0: had a lot of double bogey. So he was like 26 over is what I'm guessing, but that's not necessarily the case based on the scoring system. Yeah. Now, I, I watch this and I've always pulled for... I feel like it's a quarterback or a baseball player that wins every year. So any non-quarterback, non-baseball player I find myself rooting for, Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach, was a part of this. He's done this a number of times, though, right, Paul?
1: Yeah, a couple of years in a row, at least. He came in uh, tied for 65th, uh, minus 14. He really died down the stretch yesterday. Um, he shot... Uh, 13 over on the back nine yesterday in actual scoring now <laughs> I'm counting uh, so he was 4 over on the front and then 13 over on the back nine 17 over on his third round his three round tournament um, so
0: I went back and looked at the history of the winners of this tournament and to prove my point about baseball or quarterback Paul do you know the very first winner in 1990 of this tournament
1: Aldo Greco
0: Nope. Aldo Greco won in 2000, 10 years after it started. The very first winner was Mark Rippon of then the Washington Redskins. Mark Rippen with an impressive feat in that he won in 1990 and then again in 2014. Wow. 24 years later gap. in between winning. Now, I don't know if he participated in all those years. Maybe he just came back for it. Uh, but he won in 90 and then didn't win again until 2014. But after that, Rick Roden former New York Yankee yep. player, won a bunch of them. Dan Quinn, who I've never heard of, who was an NHL player, won a bunch of these tournaments. Billy Joe Tolliver, Al Del Greco, Mario Lemieux won one of them. Chris Chandler was a champion. Um, Dan Quinn also had uh, many years in between winning the title. Last three winners, Tony Romo this year, Vinny Del Negro in 2021, former San Antonio Spur NBA player, Marty Fish, professional tennis player in 2020, and then Romo in 2018 and 2019. And before that, it was Mark Mulder, the ex-Major League Baseball pitcher, three consecutive years, 2015, 16, 17, and then Rippon before that. So I say all this to say it's typically a quarterback or baseball player that's winning the time. Here's how
1: I like to look at it from the bottom up. Yes. Robert Griffin III Lost by 17 points. He was the worst. Dylan Dreyer. By the I don't way, which further that confirms
0: is. that he wants to be in the NFL again because he's spending more time working out to be an NFL quarterback mm-hmm. again and not golfing. Dylan Continue.
1: Dylan Dreyer. I don't know who that is. John O'Hurley. I'm not positive who that is. Catherine Tappan. The Miz. The Miz. <laughs> Anthony Anderson. Colin Jost. Larry the Cable Guy.
0: John O'Hurley, by the way, is. Uh, Jay Peterman from Seinfeld.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, DeMarcus Ware. Those guys were bringing up the bottom. Steve Young, a quarterback, 76th. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley beat Steve Young. And your uh, quarterbacks are good.
0: Dylan Dreyer is uh, a a meteorologist on the Today Show. I knew Mm -hmm. I knew that name from somewhere. Yes, a uh, a female. And
1: Miles Teller, not very good. Tied for 70th, uh, 21 Negative 21 points, tied with Vince Carter. So he can always say he matched uh, athletic skills with Vince Carter.
0: Miles Teller looks like an athlete, doesn't necessarily mean that he's an athlete, uh, but still probably way better at golf. Hopefully than
1: he was without the mustache. I was surprised to see Jim McMahon, who uh, is not generally in good physical health, 68th. Last time we saw him, he was in a wheelchair at the Super Bowl. He played? Sixty he eight. played, came in 68th. Nice, good for him. Tied with Marcus, uh, 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 no, two points better than Marcus Allen. And uh, one point behind Seth Curry.
0: It's not bad. Steph or Seth? Seth, sorry. Okay. Steph's a very good golfer, yeah. too. Um, speaking of Miles Teller, he had that interview where he said that Tom Cruise had spoken to him about the possibility of a sequel to Top Gun, and he said, you know, that's going to be Tom's decision solely, but... We'll all come back if asked to do it. But he also joked, he said, you know, but I am going to have my representation point out the fact that the only billion dollar movie Tom Cruise ever made was the one he did with me. So we're going to have to negotiate to get more money on it. Is that. this
1: the highest grossing film of all time?
0: No, not of all time, but it's the highest grossing film of Tom Cruise's career. What is
1: the highest grossing film of all time? That's a great question.
0: Avengers. Avengers. Which one? Endgame, Endgame Part Endgame. 2 or 1? The second, yeah. And what kind of money did that make? It's really sad that a, a movie that's not very good, quite honestly, all time, I, all made that All these much Marvel money.
1: movies look like crap to me. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a great This new 4 movie. one, which I was, had to suffer through the preview of at uh, the two movies I recently went to in my much-heralded return to the movie theater for Minions and for uh, Maverick, it looks absolutely atrocious.
0: I mean, Davey saw it last night. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. But it's like a... You, you like the too, Corey? Up over here. Corey liked it also. It, I, I don't know I th- if it's, I, What that tells me is you both have... That well, taste. is it trying to be a comedy? Like, it looks like a comedy, right? I, looks, I don't it know. It looks like a parody of a comedy. Yeah. Difficult to figure out what exactly is going on there. Much like Westworld, Also difficult to figure out. Uh, not difficult to figure out that Josh Heifel is on a tear right now. We'll talk about... Tennessee football recruiting and how they're one of the hottest teams in the country. When we come back, this is Outkick 360.